0: This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds. And now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hey fam, welcome to another episode of Making Shift Happen. Today, I'm so excited to release this episode and this interview with Adam Davidson. A little bit about Adam Davidson. He's based in Pueblo, Colorado, which is of course in the southern part of Colorado, and is a regional leader in outdoor recreation advocacy and community engagement. He has been basically weaving outdoor recreation in with public health, sustainability, and economic development initiatives for over two decades, and in multiple states, which we're going to talk about in today's interview. And in June of 2023, Adam founded Grassroots Gravel, which is an annual large-scale cycling event that takes place in downtown Pueblo and throughout the region. Now, prior to Grassroots Gravel, he did lead some marketing and PR strategy for clients in major markets across the U.S., ranging from nonprofit organizations to up to billion-dollar industry leaders. And these experiences really are informed by years of volunteerism. An undergraduate degree in recreation management and a master's degree in community organizing. And I think you're going to really love this conversation that I had with Adam. I know I really enjoyed chatting with him and just listening to him and, and taking in the words that he had to say. Because before we even hit record, we were chatting for about 45 minutes and we chatted for another 30 to 45 minutes afterwards just because we really wanted to to touch base and kind of check in with one another and, and see if we could have some ideas generated from our conversation. Ways that he can really continue to make the Gravel community grow and ways that I could even make my community grow as well for the for the good. And that's what I loved about my conversation with Adam. And I hope you love it too, because he's trying to make some efforts to keeping gravel inclusive and making gravel inclusive. Because I know today's times, twenty twenty three, it's not always guaranteed that we're going to have an environment that is inclusive and is going to bring the entire community together. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the future of grassroots gravel and maybe other events that Adam will headline because he is listening and he's willing to do the work. And I hope you love this conversation with Adam. Dive in. Awesome. Adam, it is such an honor to have you on. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us on Making Shift Happen for today's episode. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. and. I look forward to chatting about making shift happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have a surprise question, by the way, uh, at the end. Actually, it's not going to be a surprise because I just looked at my list of questions and dang it, I did include it. So never mind. But no, it's fine. Uh, it's well, all good. Let's get to know you a little bit more. So tell us a little bit about you, Adam, who you are, well, what you do.
1: My name's Adam Davidson, and I like bikes a lot, and I like getting <laughs> people outside a lot. I so with bikes specifically, and I think that those, those two specific things, I like bikes and I like getting people outside. Those have been pretty foundational to my identity for a long time. And so I started riding bikes. I mean, like a lot of kids in the world period of, you know, using it to get around. And, um, it was this combination of, you know, getting around and, and play and, uh, Got my first real mountain bike as a gift at 13. It was a specialized Rockhopper Comp FS 1998. Black and orange. Very important detail there. And rode that a bunch and then, you know, went through the gamut of bikes. Um, Worked at a bike shop when I was a teenager um, in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. I grew up on the East Coast, but I retained my Rs, so you wouldn't know.
0: I that, that's why I'm surprised because I actually work with yeah. a lot of folks from Massachusetts.
1: There's not a single R yeah. ah to be found in my family, yes. but uh, exactly. but I have them. So, uh, yeah. So I you grew up out off. there, and and I and you see, so I was uh um just fluctuated in t- different types of mountain biking, always mountain biking, but that was in. You know the late '90s, early 2000s. So it was the free ride era, and mm-hmm. we would spend time in the woods building stupid stuff out of wood to hopefully hurt ourselves on. And um, loved that kind of aggressive type of problem solving riding that North Shore slash free ride, whatever you want to call it, uh, brought to the table. And um, during that whole time of doing that type of riding, you know, I was uh, a very physically different Adam. You know, I was obese until I was 18, I think, 17, 18, yeah. something like that. Until the, until the end of my uh, junior year of high school, I weighed like 270 pounds yeah. and then just decided to shift up how I lived my life. This is like... Uh, you know, pre-internet in a big way. I mean, in in terms of how uh, how common so many different types of you know lifestyle content is and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so back then I took a summer, the summer of my jun- junior into senior year, just decided to change the way that I ate and just added a few key things to how I exercised and rode my bike a ton. And um, a lot of that was, you know, riding, uh, you know, drop-offs and weird technical logs and junk in the woods and Linwoods for folks that know the East Coast. Um, and, and a lot of time the skate park too on a 26-inch bike, which nice. was weird even then. Um, and yeah, I lost like 80 pounds that year. Um, I mean, when I went back to school the following year, uh, people that I knew well uh, but hadn't seen since the year before. Didn't even know who I was. That's how dramatic right. it was, and um, and wow. so it was. It was a trip, and you know, I went through still riding my bike a ton through senior year, and you know, all that, and then moved to Colorado for undergrad. And this experience is one that's given me, like I think, a pretty foundational perspective on the world. Um, especially in regards to getting people outside and, and, and creating inclusive experiences. Mm -hmm. So I moved to Colorado, but I moved to Colorado having been pretty freshly, you know, obese Adam only a year before and like living 18 years of my life as that dude. And -hmm. then living in Northern Colorado as this dude, and this is who people met me as there. Mm -hmm. And it may, it makes me feel emotional just thinking about how different that experience is. Mm-hmm. I mean, profoundly different, um, than, uh, how I experienced the world, uh, up until that point, like just insane how different people responded to me. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's probably the, the biggest the most concise way to put it, it was, it was insane how differently people responded to me um, mm-hmm. in that new context after um, losing all of that weight. And so that's why, uh, and, and, and so, you know, that's given me some perspective just on when I meet people, <laughs> you know, have, yeah. I've, I've lived in uh, not every experience, but I have certainly lived um, an experience in a different body. For enough of my life to know what it was like and still remember it, so um, so that's that's like foundationally where I got into biking, and it's always been about fun um, and mm-hmm. and doing it socially. And I love I love failing <laughs> in in my recreational endeavors, <laughs> uh, whether that's uh, and, and it's almost always an outdoor thing in terms of what I choose how I choose to recreate and spend my my disposable time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's almost always physical and outdoors and something that involves like progression and or problem solving. Like I've spent a lot of time climbing and I just, I love to fail all day on something really challenging and then like maybe get it or, you know, the next season or something and prepping and training and preparing for it to do something that I couldn't do, you know, and and then Mm -hmm. be able to finally do it. So, um, Kind of feel like I'm ping ponging around on like that story of, of, uh, you know, how I got into cycling, but that's, that's a big piece of it. And when I, when I had arrived in Northern Colorado, um, I joined the, uh, and this is at UNC in Greeley, the okay. University of Northern Colorado. Okay. Um, I joined their cycling team and raced there for a season, um, in downhill and four cross, in which as we get into grassroots gravel later in our discussion, um, if you had told me back then that I was going to, like, quit a great job and run an <laughs> event that was riding on dirt roads all day long, I would think you were crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't make yeah. any sense to me at all. Uh, but that being said, here we are. And, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, so, you know, that's um, – I've pretty much been riding forever. And it's waxed and waned. You know, I mentioned climbing. There was a period of time where I got super into climbing, like almost Mm -hmm. 10 years and rode still some, but nowhere near what I did before or after that, that period of time. And, um, but I still, I still love it. I love the agency and the autonomy that cycling gives you, Mm -hmm. um, to, you know, get where you want and, uh, under your own power and it's also a pretty a pretty great way to transcend barriers physically physically and otherwise because mm-hmm. you can go so far you don't need much you don't need a fancy bike to do it and you can literally lift your bike over barriers and like <laughs> go places that you couldn't in a vehicle so mm-hmm. yeah so i think that um that piece is is a uh, cy- cycling was has been very foundational to me and and you know as i went through undergraduate and graduate school, I was—I've always been doing uh, community organizing of some sort around cycling. Okay. Up in northern Colorado, in Greeley, there is—there uh, was. Uh, people would often say, "Like, there's nothing to do here." So I jokingly say that Greeley is the pueblo of the north, and that pueblo is the Greeley of the south. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, okay. Because so for folks that live in Colorado. Um, th- these are both, you know, like established cities, but they're smaller towns, and they're just—they have their their benefits and their drawbacks, like everywhere. But yeah. um, having lived in Greeley and now living in Pueblo, um, especially you know a decade ago, they had a harder reputation to uh, to surmount than other communities may. <laughs> And, um, but we loved both of them. I mean, legitimately, I lived in Greeley for eight years and I really enjoyed it. And now I live in Pueblo and I am settled here and I love it. And I'm like busting my ass to make it everything that it is and more. So, um, yeah, when we lived in Greeley, we started, uh, Pueblo Pueblo for a decade. I have been here for 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 10 years. Yeah. I've lived here for 10 years and I've been coming and going for 20. I mean, I've, since I've known my partner and yeah, she grew up here. So.
0: Okay. Okay. Um,
1: and yeah, I mean, uh I can actually touch on that in a second, but when we lived in in Greeley, we started um this thing called the Greeley Revolution, which was oh, nice. a weekly okay. all-year group bicycle ride that again was uh intentionally inclusive and we made a point to bring local businesses in on it. Um, You know, we'd stop there throughout the rides and it was a social ride with like a PA and strapped to the back of my bike, literally. Um, (laughs) And, and it was, I mean, this is the formula. It was every week, end of story. It happened. Mm-hmm. Like if it was hot mm-hmm. garbage conditions, like we're we're on. It might have been one yeah. person, but we'd be there. And that grew into running these events at one of the breweries there that we called the bike battle at the brewery. We brought like brought like three hundred and fifty people out for this thing Damn. in Greeley and they came nice. there from and this is in twenty ten, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: And it was good. And we still have this relic of a website that's active. I can't even edit it or anything anymore, uh, but it exists. It's an old Blogspot site, man. It's a relic. It's
0: hilarious.
1: So, um, and that's, Does to have a MySpace
0: uh, attachment to it?
1: I mean, <laughs> it's, it, it may as well. It may as well, <laughs> but it's, it's wild. Yeah. It's GreelyRevolution.blogspot.com, And oh, that's a throwback. You want know to right? check that out. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, and then after running that, we moved to, to Flagstaff, Arizona and, Uh, In my graduate work there, which was in community organizing and sustainability, we started out a, for lack of a better explanation, like a bicycle powered composting collection thing that was run by students. And it grew into this monstrosity that one of my um, co-researchers and some other folks built out this composting company after it. and that moved into a much larger scale thing, but we were using students and bikes and bike trailers to collect uh, compostable food waste from like throughout the campus and businesses. And it was a whole thing. And that was called velo composting and it worked. And then after just after having our daughter and Flagstaff and like planning around this, um, we were looking at different places to live and, my wife has family in Pueblo, and we were you know considering all these different progressive, active lifestyle cities that you could name any one of them i'm sure and mm-hmm. we realized though that you know Pueblo was a community that had all the stuff that we like to do outside we had family mm-hmm. here, and it was a community that could actually use us you know we mm-hmm. like to we really care about being involved, and there was all this all these great people here and all this opportunity here um to to support this region and so here we are and for me that's been biking you know again with with cycling and um and community engagement like I moved to pueblo and immediately got neck deep in trail advocacy and um things like that here so
0: nice.
1: um yeah and so I think that I kind of I think with all that that I kind of dove into one of your questions um in uh that that you had shared with me earlier which was like what are my grassroots and i mean it's
0: yeah. what are they
1: um i mean i think I, i i think i shared a bunch of it in terms of you know where i came from and why why it's important to me personally that uh that that other people get to experience being outdoors and that and that uh that any event or or outreach that i do is that the messaging and the experience is welcoming and inclusive for folks. But um, Mm -hmm. as far as why bother doing this at all, um, (laughs) you know, there's a, I, I mean, I, I come from like a certain level of privilege. Like I'm not independently wealthy that's for damn sure. But I mean, like I had people help me along the way and Mm -hmm. um, I, in, in terms of any sort of community uh, community outreach or support or sharing of myself as I can, I feel like if there's an opportunity out there that I'm passionate about and it would benefit the community, and this is a key component of this, without exploiting anyone um, yeah. or, or like bringing somebody else down, then mm-hmm. why wouldn't I do it? Then yeah, why wouldn't exactly. I do it? And, and that's something I'd love to be able to just share with more people. It's like, if you have the time to do it, if you have the, mm-hmm. the means, and that could just be disposable time, it often yeah. is just disposable time <laughs> that it takes. To yeah, do exactly. Time's uh,
0: valuable. Time's yeah, very valuable.
1: Time is yeah. the ultimate currency. It that's is. That's what I call it. it. Is.
0: <laughs> yep. It's the most valuable currency.
1: <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's like at my grassroots is like, um, that, uh, that it's okay to do selfish good. You know, if, if there are things mm-hmm. that you're passionate about that you want to experience with your community or, or that uh, you want to see something improved or something, and it's not going to take from other people or, or, mm-hmm. or exploit people, then, then that's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay to do these things that are, that make you feel good or that help to create the community you want to live in. Uh, if you're not, Pulling other people down to do it. And so um, even since living in Greeley, you know, starting 15 years ago, way back then, it's just if if I have the slightest urge to do this, I may as well do it because it's not happening.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's,
1: that's it. Period.
0: Need a change you so, want to seek kind of thing.
1: I mean, yeah, that sounds so yeah. cliche, but it's absolutely it is, true. It's, it's like so true. if if this needs to happen and no one else is doing it and I'm recognizing it, then like why would I not do something about it? Um if I can. And that's the thing, is we not everyone's gonna have the, the agency or the time or the resources or whatever to do these things. But for those of us in a position to do the thing in that moment when it feels like it's a that it's important. Um, and that it would bring value to the community, then then we should do it. And that goes to yeah. anyone that listens to this. and it, it doesn't have to be biking or what it could be anything. It's just like if you can if you can help out and you see the the need, like would well, do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
0: because yeah. chances are if you see it as a need in your community, there's going to be other people in the community that are probably having the same conversation within them themselves or the same thoughts, at least. you know, at least that's been my experience anyways.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, and, and, and I mean, uh, those people might, you know, it, it takes a lot of times it takes seeing something happen for Mm -hmm. people to get involved. Like um, there have been times where, you know, I didn't come up with some idea or didn't even see this opportunity, you know, whatever it could be. There are times where there's been opportunities to get involved with things or to create something that I didn't even think of. But then you see it happening. You're like, okay, right on. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I mm-hmm. get involved with this? Or look at that. That's neat. I'm going to go support that. And yeah. yeah, sometimes it takes seeing it to know that it's even an option.
0: Yep. The possibilities are, are there. So yeah. I can kind of imagine where the root of grassroots gravel comes from, you know, not only just philosophically and things like that, given your history, but even just the name itself. So tell us, tell us a little bit about, you know, like why did you choose that as your name for your event grassroots gravel?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, it all began a long (laughs) time ago while I was sitting there making a poster. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, okay. So, so, I mean, in, in terms of, okay, so, right. My master's thesis was about grassroots organizing. And yeah. um, I mean, that's something that I'm passionate about and I believe in the importance of it. And that could mean so many different things. I think that that's important to understand. Um, and that being said, like grassroots gravel in that name, like, where did that come from? So uh I I've been doing advocacy work here in Pueblo for a decade. And because of that work, I've built a lot of trust here with like many stakeholders at the state level, at the local level, city, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, the Forest Service, and uh, and the Tourism uh, Bureau here, or the Chamber of Commerce, rather. And in 2021, at the end of 2021, uh, there was a group that came up here to... Look at Pueblo to bring an event here, um, and that was Fabian Saralta with uh, Gravel Locos out of he- and, and their event happens in Hico every year down in Texas, and he does a great job of um, creating like a very high production value event, lots of big names, and um, and every year they attract a big group and, and mm-hmm. have a very competitive event down there in Texas, and they wanted to bring something to Colorado, and I got a call. Um, to come in to this meeting that was happening, it was like a Friday night or something, um, and from the chamber, they were like, "You got to get down here." And it was meeting mm-hmm. with them, and I ended up to like fast forward through this whole thing. <laughs> I ended up helping uh, Locos to like design their courses. I connected them with a bunch of local stakeholders because I like I know all these people and I have a lot of trust with them, and I know how to like function and thrive within this um Mm -hmm. and so uh as so 2022 happened we had an event here in pueblo a gravel Pueblo Mm -hmm. event it went really well coming into 23 um i was pushing to like market it more aggressively locally because i wanted to see more coloradans more puebloans and people down here in the southern colorado region there and on this poster that i was drafting because i'm coming out of a decade of of marketing strategy and then and design mixed in there and so that was just like a lighter lift for me to just throw something together and um with with gravel locos it's privately owned and so i mean uh especially compared to some of the very large events um right like you know just to be frank we have like lifetime out there and they're a publicly traded company they're huge and and they're bringing a level of production and media to events that is very valuable in the industry. I mean, that's, they, they are who they are in there. And, and so that being said though, uh, even if you have like a super high production value event, like if the bar to be considered grassroots, I jokingly say is like subterranean (laughs) at this point because you have so much money moving, um, with such large stakeholders, in cycling Mm -hmm. period i mean you could say in gravel like gravel's changing but like cycling is a big industry Mm -hmm. and so anyhow i I had thrown this poster together and the tagline on it was grassroots gravel and when i actually took a step back and looked at this thing objectively i was like you know Mm -hmm. that's a little confusing because it looks like this event and this is a poster for for gravel locos that i was drafting um gravel locos pueblo and Mm -hmm. uh and it had, and it said, it looked like it was an event called Grassroots Gravel, mm-hmm. like maybe presented by Gravel Locos or something because of the way it was laid out. And I was like, that's confusing, but I like that name. <laughs> so, like, and having been Nothing in marketing, I was like, well, I may as well see. What's that? Nothing beats alliteration. <laughs> <clears throat> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and also, just like grassroots has been a buzzword in the gravel scene for years. Yeah. So, yeah. We've kind I thought of lost well it a little bit recently maybe. <laughs> you know, I mean, they still exist. I have faith. Yeah, I have they faith. do. But no, I think no, that no. I, I think so. that there's a a transition is coming for sure. Um yeah. But uh, I I checked. I, I figured if this if the URLs or if the domain's not taken, I could you know grab it, set a pointer at it in case anyone's confused, and it'll bring them over to this thing. So like this is. Not at all my first rodeo with like building a brand or grabbing like you know a domain. If if I just have an idea, I'm like, oh boy, what if we? So Mm -hmm. it was available, which blew my mind. Like grassrootsgravel.com was just not even just for sale; it was just untaken. Like no one had it. I'm just like, you gotta be friggin' kidding me. So, um, so I just grabbed it to have it in case I needed to use it. And I was like, well, if I have the if I have the domain, I may as well see if like the socials are available. And yeah. they were, which was oh, like, man. you could, g- what? Kismet. So Kismet. it was, yeah. it was very serendipitous that it mm-hmm. all existed. And then, you know, so I, I grabbed those and I was putting together, um, some, some basic promotions and we didn't launch any of these for Locos Pueblo. Um, mm-hmm. and it, uh, and that was, I don't even remember when that was, it was probably like late spring, like just before summer. I think of 23. So of this year um, that I had grabbed all that. And then um, and I've and, and, and then and then and then in June, um, <clears throat> the Gravel Locos team made the call to uh, pull from this market because it wasn't the best fit for them. And like I won't even speak to that point just because it's not really my place to like yeah. put words in, in Fabian's mouth. He's done and he didn't. He does excellent work with his event down in Heiko. He did excellent work here in Pueblo, and he set a new precedent for what a cycling event mm-hmm. could be up here, period, uh, which was critical to any next steps that I'm about to like share, you know, so mm-hmm. um, and so when they made that call, um, I had you know uh, a few different people that I knew who would be a good fit as presenters of this event, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it was, you know, whoever it was running it. Um, And uh, I had the grassroots gravel name and I knew what I felt the industry needed. And that's not just based on like what Adam's about, but just based on what's out in the market and having been, you know, in uh, strategic roles professionally for, you know, a while now and seeing like, okay, well, here's what I think. Is important in the industry. Here's what I think Pueblo needs, and and it and it's not a pro centric gravel event, um, mm-hmm. but it absolutely is a high production value gravel event, and it is one that uh, is a gravel event, not just like a mountain biking event or a road cycling event or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it's gravel, and you know the reason for that was to bring high production value to an event it i mean it it makes people raise eyebrows like locally like oh wow what mm-hmm. is going on down here this looks exciting mm-hmm. um and so that piece is important and and then gravel i mean it is cycling democratized if it's not <laughs> seen through like the elite hyper aero modern blob whatever lens like if you just look at it as we're going to go ride dirt roads with our friends like mm-hmm. um you can any reliable bike is will work for that for the most part, and that's the rhetoric that I've been sharing with Grassroots Gravel this whole time. Is like it's it's any bike, any person, right? You can go out and do this thing, and it's going to get you out of town, and you have this awesome experience, and get you off the couch, blah blah blah. And so, uh, my vision for Grassroots Gravel was to uh, create a Top tier event that would hang in a much bigger market than Pueblo, um, mm-hmm. but to make the target audience the every person, you know, aim for the middle of the cycling bell curve and put an emphasis on bringing new people into the cycling fold, and mm-hmm. and that's really the core of grassroots gravel, and you know so in June when this other event pulled out. Um, I already had a meeting scheduled with a potential sponsor <laughs> and I thought, Oof. and this is two days legitimately, this oh, was geez. two days after yeah. no the, 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 the call to cancel. Um, and so I was like, you know, I'm not canceling that call. <laughs> and Good so for you. we, uh, and, by, and, and I, so I spent the next two days, building out this brand because the concept was living in my brain of you know what I felt we needed mm-hmm. um and of course we ended up refining it more over the coming months but but built out our website and activated all of our socials and <laughs> built a sponsor packet got the LLC mm-hmm. to, <laughs> started getting the permits moving because that was in June the event was going to be in yeah, October like October. that's not a long time <laughs> no so um and so in that and and you know, that call that we had um two days after then, that was who ended up being our title sponsor.
0: Oh I that love was it. with
1: Ambipar Response and and they're they've been fantastic to work with. They're an international leader in um incident response um nice. and environmental remediation. So um part of our funds, part of our proceeds go to support one of the volunteer fire departments that's right on our course. And so it was like a no-brainer nice. connection because they just uh Ambipar just opened up uh like the largest incident training facility in the US in Pueblo. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, when uh when <laughs> when when we decided to um to launch grassroots gravel, you know, having a sponsor commit and, and take that leap with us was critical to kickstart it. And, and then from that point, like once we had that initial, um, spark as it were mm-hmm. to get us moving, then we were able to absolutely run with it. You know, that's mm-hmm. where, um, it, it gave, gave me the motivation to like dive into building out the brand more and, um, refining the messaging and thinking about you know like who are we targeting here um Mm -hmm. you know what does everyone mean for this Mm -hmm. year um and um and i I think that uh one thing that i didn't address with the like the why behind grassroots gravel because i mean yeah this other event like stopped and and then i decided to do this thing but the reason To do this was like yes there was this need in the industry to have something high production for everyone Mm -hmm. but for this region specifically you know i've been living in pueblo for a decade and we've had some some great events um but our only flagship events as a region that happen every year and by region i mean pueblo it's like i mean Mm pueblo is a big county i think it's the biggest county in in the state but um Mm -hmm. in terms of geographically but uh you know the only annual events that happen every single year, we have the Chili Fest and the state fair, as far as big flagship events um, that bring like high production value and like have a a visual footprint in the town, you know, something that gives like a something like these, the events that are conspicuous, you know, in the town and that add um, to the identity. Because it's like an ex, a whole experience. It's not just like, like there are some races that have been going forever, but they're just like, kind of like happen in a pocket, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and so I wanted to make sure that Pueblo had an annual flagship, like high production value, very conspicuous event that happened every year. Because mm-hmm. then you can do things like build out public health initiatives to get people off the couch and try this bike ride, yeah. even if it's once a year. Um, exactly. you could work with, you know, the economic development entities or the university mm-hmm. or the community college to do meaningful economic development strat- like, uh, initiatives around the outdoor industry, you know, not just tourism, mm-hmm. but like, how are we bringing entertaining jobs in that industry? I mean, cause that's a thing mm-hmm. we could do here. Mm-hmm. So that was a, that, that was a, Another huge component to the vision for this thing was, you know, if we, if we build this thing out the right way, it can be this experience for all the riders, but it can be so much more than that for the region. And yeah,
0: really takes it back to the grassroots. Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, and I know it's something I see interspersed on the website for grassroots gravel and, and listeners, just so you know, you know, check the show notes. Uh, we'll talk about that at the end, but yeah, grassrootsgravel.com. And, and you'll see that as kind of an underlying theme. Like, hey, it's it's about the community. It's about Pueblo, you know, city and county. But also like, hey, what is it that we can give back? And how can we turn this around to make it about, to make it about them, to make it about the community itself and build upon it? And I will go ahead and say, and I, I shared this before we hit record. Of course, this won't be anything new to you, but I have heard nothing but good things about grassroots gravel, just from an organization standpoint, how it was one of the best well-run gravel races that people have been to. And I'm not going to say names, but they did say how they've been to other, you know, top of the line, very noteworthy races that are gravel events. Um, and they said it was definitely on par with that, if not, you know, better just because it, it had that, that grassroots feel. It had that feel of, of like a little bit more community and not so much like a you know, a headline event that maybe doesn't showcase the people who are locals. And I think we've all kind of been to to events like that. Um, so you know, what is your experience? I mean, you definitely outlined your experience in developing things, you know, between Greeley and Flagstaff and, and in Pueblo. Well, what's your experience in attending other people's events? Like, you know, what kind of other events did you attend any like mountain bike races or gravel events or anything like that that kind of stand out for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, so um, one thing I want to say, just because you, you kind of uh, alluded to it, but yeah. to make that experience at Grassroots Gravel what it was, um, yeah. it was like our volunteers are the oh. reason that mm-hmm. it was such a good experience. Our volunteers, and um, you had you had asked me a question in terms of a shout out, but I'm going to mention it yeah. uh, here. I mean, so I, all of our volunteers, were foundational in creating this experience. And the reason that we had so many, and and we had the caliber of volunteers that we had was insane because um, I've worked with all these people in the community doing things. And so like, it's not just this like one-off, like, hey, we're gonna do this cool thing. It's like, hey, it's, you know, our friend or our colleague, Adam, we have done things before together and this is just another thing. And we've all put in the work together to do all these other incredible things. And so, you know, it's, it's not just like, a um, it's not, the, it's not sure. their first rodeo. Yeah. We had, <laughs> we had people running aid stations that were like, you know, like the head of search and rescue was just volunteering and he was incredible at one of them. And then nice. like the executive director of our nature center was at another one. And like all these people that are, I, I could have like gotten sick and been like, Hey, you know, person McPersonson, can you please run the whole thing this is roughly what you need to do and i would have trusted like a few of those folks with doing that especially mm-hmm. knowing that they had all the other incredible people there i mean yeah they were critical and then and then clemence Hamelo um of Foz clay events she's like um i met her through Grevelocos, locos and she was our event coordinator you know she was my definitive operations, she was our operations officer, I guess is the, is the term Mm -hmm. to use. And she was just phenomenal. Like this is what she does professionally. And Mm -hmm. I brought her on board because I knew how great she is to work with. And, and that was another reason that, right. So like we worked together to like lay out this, the vision that I had and I, you know, I, I put all the pieces together, but then on event weekend, I mean, she came into town to support this and like knows her stuff. And so I mean, mm-hmm. Clemence was a huge asset. And my wife was there. I mean, I could keep going, like so many people <laughs> helped, but I mean, truly, that was huge. Um, Volunteers so, are
0: lifeblood. I'm so glad you gave yeah. them the shout out. Because let me just tell you, listeners, if you're at an event, and maybe you're having a crappy experience, maybe you're just having an off day. If the volunteers are there and they're showing up, I mean, I will say I've never personally have had a a poor volunteer experience um, in my life. If anything, volunteers have done nothing but pick me up when I am at rock bottom at certain events, whether it be like awful weather, awful maybe other racers, because you know, sometimes people can just be assholes. Um, But like volunteers single-handedly have like picked me up from the depths of hell emotionally and physically by keeping me fed and keeping me motivated. So I'm very happy that you gave a huge shout out to volunteers. But yeah, continue, continue. I had to interject. I I so agree. I so
1: agree though.
0: I heart volunteers so much.
1: (laughs) Me too. And and I'll say this about volunteers volunteering Mm -hmm. every major opportunity that I've had in my life like professionally it it stemmed from my volunteerism period and I mean that Mm -hmm. like grad school major jobs the the connections I had built and the trust I had built to make this event possible like all through volunteerism and Mm -hmm. and I mean there's there's layers and complexity to like the opportunity of having the time to do that stuff. But I've been working full time the whole time I've been like doing all this other volunteer stuff. So it's just like, it's just so valuable. I can't tell people Mm -hmm. that enough that like volunteering so valuable. And like for any students Mm -hmm. hearing this, like, Oh my God, volunteer. Mm -hmm. It is uh, strategically, of course, like it, it does matter to like, not just like, um, yeah, I just say volunteer period. Super (laughs) helpful. (laughs) Um, but, uh, what was what was your question? Because you asked well, it and initially, then I digressed about it. Yeah,
0: no, 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 you're good. Well, because they're so important. They have to be they have to be the center of attention here for sure. But no, I was just kind of asking a little bit more about your history in terms of events. Like are oh, there any standard yes. events that you've ever attended that have been like, oh, that's on my radar? And I'm gonna file that away in the back of my mind for the future reference, like since you are such a an organizer of <laughs> of things in your life. <laughs>
1: you know, Okay, so I've I've gone to events throughout my life in terms of like mm-hmm. um you know, racing at and just primarily just collegiate events in college. Yeah. yeah. Uh and then um and then some triathlons cuz my wife and her family uh would do tries. and so I did that for a minute but just like usually just onesie-twosie sprints here and there. Um mm-hmm. And I've done a few marathons, like some of the bigger ones, like we did Colfax in Denver and nice. I forget. But for me, I mean, my engagement with events and experiences, because to me, they're kind of part and parcel, like races are not just races. Um, it's it's almost always been about creating the experience. Uh, yeah. It's just something that, I've always been motivated to create experiences I mean, so when I lived in Greeley, you know we did that stuff um, but my brain just goes there i love yeah. I love creating experiences for people, and mm-hmm. races are a great excuse to do that because it's like that's what draws them in a lot of times is that competitive piece mm-hmm. but um I mean I've gone to i mean most recently um I've gone to some like very very grassroots events um, down south, like the Pony Express in Trinidad. I went there, and that one is like Phil has been running that bad boy for like 14 years. I've heard good things about it. Yeah, (laughs) and so went down there for that, and that was a great time. And I mean, it's and and then other you know like on kind of on the other end of the spectrum, this same with this this past year did um did did Locos in Texas. In Heiko, nice. which was fun, and then did uh, Old Man Winter in February, oh. which was a wonderful. That is yeah. like, just the, <laughs> and each of the, each of these races had a distinctly unique vibe from one another for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, But as far as the the model of Old Man Winter, I mean, that is my kind of stupidity. I love that kind of stuff. It's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a race that's like kind of a gravel race, but it's kind of a road race. And it's sort of a mountain bike race, but except for the trail is in a canyon and it's going to be covered in snow and you're probably carrying your bike. And I was like, gosh, that sounds awful. And I'm so in. And you're going to look
0: like you pooped all over yourself. Yes. Because you're just going to be covered head to toe in ice and snud and. Yeah, yes, it's just nasty,
1: <laughs> so that was that was one that I did, and it and it I very much enjoyed it. so I like think it's awesome that they do that, yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. and I mean, at every single one of these things, you know, i I'll like pull something from all of them, you know, because I just mm-hmm. like to think about that um, but but for me, yeah, for for me events it's it's really not usually about me going to them. I mean, I get yeah. excited about. Going to them, um, like uh, we're headed to Mid South in March, and I'm very excited nice. to experience that. And yeah. um, we'll be we'll actually be exhibiting there too. So like, come see us at Mid South.
0: Yeah, nice. There you March. go.
1: <laughs> um, but as far as yeah, as far as like going to races and things, it's just typically if if I've got the time, I prefer to be on like you know ten big stupid rides and not mm-hmm. racing um, and then spending the time that comes into doing that as a participant but i do love putting experiences together for people mm-hmm. um and i just i don't know what it is it's like a sickness <laughs> like i just that's that's what i nerd yeah. out about is like thinking through like oh but what if we and it'll be some experience for people um yeah so yeah i don't know like our, our, we have a weekly about... group ride go ahead sorry
0: yeah. i was just gonna say it sounds like you're all about the community which is that's the vibe that I got from you when I first started following you. Um, you know, when you were kind of doing quite honestly, like a phenomenal job of marketing and like gorilla, I kind of considered it almost like a gorilla marketing and I could tell like, Ooh, something changed. And then of course I kind of heard, you know, through the grapevine, that yeah, you know, Locos kind of fell through and, you know, they're trying to do it, uh, for the ground up. And, um, and it's cool because I never felt like, even when I was looking at your marketing, I never felt like it, things were rushed, you know, which is pretty impressive considering, Adam, that you had four months, what, four months. Wait, did I do the math right? June, July, August? It's,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I was, four, I was,
0: four months, probably. I
1: had given notice at my job and my last day there was July 28th. So, I mean, I was still like legitimately working until July 28th, which then you have August, September, and halfway through October. So I mean it was it was a lot.
0: I just I still and actually tell the listeners like kind of what your history was in terms of where you came from just before grassroots. So you were at Cascade Energy.
1: Yeah. You know, and kind of like what's your background there? Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean I you know, professionally I've been in marketing for the last decade. And most recently was working for an awesome company in Portland. They're based in Portland, but they work Mm -hmm. nationwide called Cascade Energy. And they do uh, industrial energy efficiency, uh, engineering. And so, I mean, uh, if you imagine like a whole giant manufacturing plant um, being able to save energy in, honestly, the ways are pretty innumerable. Um, Our teams over there would, be the ones on the ground, helping them to figure out like what the best ways to do that were, and also collaborating with big stakeholders across the nation. So like uh, utilities and government entities that would, um, that were running programs to help, you know, all these different industrial uh, stakeholders save energy. Um, and my job there was working with all of their clients, like, uh, you know, big, Utilities in major metro areas, and and uh, I guess had some government entities to recruit people into these programs. So coming up with the strategies and the and the uh, the marketing uh, uh, collateral itself to to get these businesses engaged in these different programs to save energy, cut down on greenhouse gas emissions, and energy use at large. So it was it was important work, and it was wonderful place to be and my team was incredible like i legitimately missed them mm-hmm. and i just knew that uh given the the precedent that uh that loco set in 2022 with a flagship cycling event in pueblo i didn't want to miss out on that energy that momentum coming into 2023 yeah. and so that's when that's why i made the call to um after much discussion with my partner to yeah. uh, to <laughs> make the call to step down from my role with Cascade Energy and focus full time on on building out grassroots gravel and launching this thing because I knew what I knew what I was capable of I knew what our community was capable of and and I knew that there was an opportunity here in the region and the industry to to do this thing and to do it well and I just wanted to make sure that we did it well which is why I knew I couldn't be working full time and, and doing right by them, you know, honoring these great people and these great customers over there with Cascade and, and being able to do grassroots gravel, right. And, um, and something that I mentioned this to you before we were recording, but, you know, to your, to all of our wonderful listeners, you know, <laughs> if you half-ass a job, did you do it at all? Yeah. And, that and I think that's, yeah. You got to use your full ass. And if, uh, and, and if you're talking about an experience for people, mm-hmm. it's, it's worth really putting the work in and doing it right. Cause I mean, really, because for an event, I mean, or, or, I mean, it, I think, I think for an experience at all, whether you're a restaurant or an event or whatever, right. If you jack it up the first time, like they might mm-hmm. not be coming back and their friends might not either. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think that that uh, you know the people that 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 might come to something like this, like they deserve an awesome experience. This region deserves an awesome event experience, and so, um, so we made it.
0: Yeah, yeah. People, people will often always remember how they felt. You know how someone or something made them feel. Whether or not they think they're logical or you know rational type types of people, generally speaking, we will always remember how we felt after an experience or after an interaction with a person. And I think that that's incredibly important. And I love that you're in the experience making, you know, realm with community being such a forefront, which is huge because I think sometimes that can be reversed uh, often in event spaces and. You know, I feel like some events would be so much more beneficial if they would just think about how can we make this experience absolutely amazing and awesome for people, for everyone involved, you know, including the volunteers, how can we also make it really cool for them as well? And I think that's incredibly important. And I think, you know, what really stood out for me in a lot of your initial social media posts were your comments about inclusivity. And this is a race for everyone you know, I remember seeing that often, like it is literally a race for everyone. I think that's like a big, like block letter quote that you even had at one point. Mm -hmm. And that of course stood out for me, you know, especially being female and, you know, kind of new to the gravel scene a little bit. Um, and now that I know your history and kind of your backstory makes so much more sense knowing like, yeah, I want all bodies. I want everyone here. I don't care what kind of bike you're on. I don't care if you have a kid or not, it doesn't matter, (laughs) you know, we'll we'll keep you fed because we're here for a great experience. So tell me a little bit more about exclusivity for you and kind of why it was so important. You know, does it really stem to your, your two different atoms? you know, experience or, or kind of what were some other drivers for you?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's bigger than, it's bigger than that, you know, just from Mm -hmm. the, from the bodies piece. Um, you know, I mean, uh, so making sure that this event is inclusive is just because I mean for one I think that that's that's just <laughs> the right thing to do um but but then you know beyond that um you know I have a wonderful partner that mm-hmm. is a woman that I love that mm-hmm. absolutely deserves to feel welcome in an event or an experience in a sport I have friends that are women that same feel or or should should they deserve to feel welcome and and seen and included um and safe uh i have a daughter you know like all these different people they're just people in my life that happen to be female so i mean that one's like well yeah i mean for one you should feel welcome but i also know these people personally and and with you know uh inclusivity in regards to the lgbtq community you know again like i know these people personally so i mean for me again it's like a no-brainer it's already a no-brainer but i also know these people and so um that's where and and i think that as far as inclusivity across the board you know like the human experience is hard enough Mm. and so if we can make if we can break down these barriers to these things that we do for fun. We do these things to make our lives better, whether that's for fitness to, you know, be here on the space bubble for longer or Mm -hmm. because the mean voices are quieter after we beat them down with exercise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The sound of gravel makes them quieter. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, life's hard enough as it is. And so if I can make sure that people see themselves in this opportunity to to get out and do this thing then you know like i was saying earlier like why shouldn't i like why wouldn't i do that um and and something that i'm making a point to do with grassroots gravel is in every aspect of of the whole model is to approach it with like a mindset of continuous improvement and 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 i mean that in terms of not just like better according to some weird predefined metric but i mean mm-hmm. even acknowledging that it's even the metrics that i'm looking at are going to evolve as i learn new things or as the industry evolves or as the community you know all these things are going to be changing but but just looking at looking at this at every aspect of it as we can do better and so when it comes to the inclusivity piece you know i I hit the two, the two pieces of low hanging fruit because I knew these people and I knew um, at least at, at the, at the most basic level, how to message and communicate with these folks and to create a space that was, that felt um, safe enough, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and welcoming. And, and that was women and folks in the LGBTQ and trans community. Um, And that was, A lot of that was just messaging, you know, because Mm -hmm. when you put something out there into the world, you are, you're welcoming people. And then you're also making a statement um, as, as a, um, as a stakeholder, right. Taking up space Mm -hmm. there with these people that like, this is who we are. And Mm -hmm. so anything negative that could happen, you know, uh, you're already taking a stance. And then, um, with uh creating a new uh creating a non-binary category right Mm -hmm. again just like to me that's like the bare minimum but it's something and then it's on paper and people can see it and -hmm. then it's a metric that we can say like we did this and there were people out there representing Mm -hmm. that group and so
0: um
1: and that's that's just like a big deal and it's like the it's like the smallest step i could do and and i mean living in pueblo you know, I've been doing trail work out at our state park here and spending time in the outdoors here for a decade. And mm-hmm. and we are, I mean, I don't I don't know exactly what our you know like census level demographics are, but we are we have a majorly uh, we we have a huge Latino community here. Period. Mm-hmm. And that is a community that like I don't typically see in the outdoors here. Uh, And there's certain ways that like I'm not recreating that are more common statistically um, in Latino populations. Like I don't, we just don't do things the same way in terms of how we spend time outdoors, but in terms of on the trails and things like that, um, it's seldom, but not never, that I'll see those folks outside. And I think I want to do what I can, to just share this it might not be for everyone but i want to make sure that people know that it is also for them if they want it and so on that piece you know that's going to take real work for me like i'm not the one that's going to be able to walk in and be like good day friends i yeah. have this experience for you <laughs> yeah um, and so that's going to be you know working with with stakeholders that um and just and just you know, meeting people. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not exactly. always going to be strategic. It might be as simple as like, Adam mm-hmm. needs to go start volunteering in places where I will meet those people and build mm-hmm. authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one of my goals this year is to become uh, more fluent in Spanish because by mm-hmm. not speaking Spanish, there's a major piece of our population that I will not be able to connect with. Um mm-hmm. And that's obviously that transcends just Pueblo, but, Mm -hmm. um, but so that's something that is a goal of mine is to get better at that because then I can communicate with more people. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so there's that piece of it. And, um, and then I'm also had a couple discussions with people, uh, that are doing really cool work up North with, uh, black cyclists. Like I, Mm -hmm. uh, Brooke Gowdy took the time to have a conversation with me. Yeah. And she was, I mean, these two people, everyone that I've been, that I've talked to about this stuff has been so gracious and they're so brilliant that I feel just crazy fortunate that they're willing to have taken the time to even chat about this with me. Um, And so uh, yeah, Brooke Gowdy talk to me through, you know, like the experiences that, that she's had in ways that she's seen uh, folks like start to be better at, mm-hmm. at, um, creating spaces that, and building relationships that mm-hmm. enabled better representation at the start line or at the event. And then also Marcus Robinson with the ride for racial justice took some time and yeah. a call with me. Oh
0: yeah. And, Marcus is great.
1: Yeah. And they, um, they both just had such great insight and so much of it is so um, it's so simple and relational, you know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. the work itself is not easy, but a lot of times it's simple in terms of like, well, if you Mm -hmm. want to have relationships, you need to build relationships. Shockingly.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And um, and so, um, yeah. And so, so, I mean, you know, with just those few conversations and it was limited because of time. I mean, I like, I had these big dreams of like, I'm going to really like get after this this year for this event. And I was like, Holy crap. And then like the operational realities hit. I'm like, Holy shit. Our event is in a month. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, I'm limited to that, but now this year I've got a year. And so Mm -hmm. there are um, certain local initiatives that I'm doing what I can to uplift and amplify what they're working on. Um, awesome. so we have, uh, we have an outdoor equity manager with our local boys and girls club here in Pueblo. And there's like a bunch of different of those, uh, uh facilities throughout the region here. Um, and she, she does work at all of them and they're working on a cycling program that she's building out. Oh. And so I'm, her and I have been talking about what I can do to just uplift that. Cause that's another thing I want to make sure that I avoid is like, Hey, I have this solution. I can solve these problems. I mean, i <laughs> yeah. can I can lend support. i have I have knowledge and experience that can be useful to people, but I don't want I want to build something together. and I think that that's a big component of like where we go with mm-hmm. this uh, inclusivity piece with grassroots gravel is that I won't be the one defining that. Yeah, you know yeah. I'm doing my best to like get it started, but we're already doing that with different stakeholders. Yeah. Um, and And I'm excited to see that evolve and grow. So by yeah. the way, I don't know if you have to, if you have to stop this at one hour and then download it, but you should do no, that. No, you're good. We, you're go good. In. Oh, we're good. We're good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're good. All we right. have
0: at least 12 more minutes. So yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, cool. Cause no, I see it's, 59
1: it's, minutes on the, the yeah, Blinky Boy. No, so good. you're good. Sweet. You're good.
0: Um, so yeah, no, it's one of those situations where I think it's a difference between like authentically reaching out and establishing those relationships because i think all too often sometimes we'll see folks that are like okay i gotta check that little box that little tick box and and brooke and i've actually had uh, extensive conversations about this just because we were a part of a dei DEI group with a mountain biking group that we were associated with uh, a few years ago so brooke and i have worked together for uh, two or three years i think that initial initial dei project was and wow talk about a lot to learn especially as a white-bodied individual Because there is a big difference between like, yeah, save your ship versus like, no, I want to have this authentic connection. I want to understand how can we go ahead and and build this literally to use your word from the grassroots up and, and uplift and amplify other people. And, you know, how can we kind of work hand in hand? And like you said, and I think it's really important to kind of reiterate is that it's a process you're going to learn and you're going to keep learning. You know, I know I'm forever learning at this point. about how to how to kind of integrate with uh, the community and just make it make it just so heart centered, you know. Which that part is easy for me to do, um, but also to kind of come and, and try to understand too and hear them and hear the voices of others, which is really great. But yeah, your inclusivity statement was really important to me, um, just given you know myself and you know the groups that I'm a part of. And then also just my athletes too. I know that really spoke with a lot of
1: them. They were like, oh,
0: sweet. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to finish my season. <laughs> you know, Pueblo in October, you can't beat it.
1: <laughs> it's true. And I'm, yeah. I'm, that makes me feel good that, that it matters to people, you know? And, and I'm excited to see where we can take it because mm-hmm. we're not there yet. I mean, we're like we're doing good work, um, mm-hmm. but we're not there yet. Yeah. And, and there is no there. That's kind of like no, the point
0: of exactly. always
1: reevaluating it. But
0: yeah, the journey is forever. But that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about 2024. Like, what are your plans in terms of date, location, all of that?
1: So we're already on. We've already booked our timing October 12th, 2024. We are on, and we're going to stick with a bunch of the essentials, you know, that folks were stoked about. Like, we're going to be at the same venue. So people will be able to get like real food, and um, we will start and finish downtown Um, and we're going to have some we're exploring some like new and exciting opportunities to engage our participants Um, we've gotten a great response from our folks in the industry so um, i think it's safe to say that we're going to have another another awesome expo experience there Um, and yeah i mean i mean this being just our second year and first year of having a full year to plan, a lot of it's going to be, you know, refining this model that we know worked well last year. And I don't mean that in terms of like, well, it worked. So we're doing it again. I mean, we are very much digging into everyone's feedback because we had, we got a lot of great feedback uh, in our survey and we had so many people reply, which was phenomenal. Like we had like, I think over 30%, of folks respond oh, wow. to our survey, which is yeah. pretty amazing. It's and really yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, <No>, I know. <laughs> and, and by and large, people were stoked and they were, they were gracious with their feedback in terms of, you know, this was so amazing and X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to really sit down with our stakeholders and see what our options could be to make some of these experiences even better. You know, um, and I'm excited about really diving in, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to be putting the word out to the industry at large, of course, and Mm -hmm. uh, and to folks all across the region or all across the nation and and the world. I mean, we brought people here from Switzerland and Mexico, which is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, but I want to see even more Pobloans at the event next year you know that's something i really want to see whether they're spectating or they're participating i want to get more folks out there because it's for them too and um that's that's a big goal of mine for next year so yeah october 12th more details to come yes and um yeah yeah there's i've got some some fun things in the wings for for uh connecting connecting our participants with people that they might know in the industry.
0: Oh, so. exciting. I love it. I love it. So yeah, yeah, mark your calendars, folks, October 12th, 2024. I'm going to link grassrootsgravel.com in the show notes so people know what to do and how to find all the information and, uh, and see the about and, of course, see the inclusivity statements, which are so important to me. Um, but also, you know, how can listeners follow grassroots gravel? In anything you have to say.
1: Well, they should go to our website for one, join our oh, yeah. email list if they want to find out about uh, any updates or registration opening. Because that is one thing is that we we <laughs> we went over our cap mm-hmm. this past year, um, <laughs> which is is crazy again to think about that. But um, but we will have a cap this upcoming year, so. Folks will want to be on our email list or at minimum follow us on social so they know when we open up registration. Yeah. Um, It's grassroots gravel on Instagram. Yes. Grassroots gravels on Instagram. Grassroots gravels on Facebook. Um, Those are the two main platforms that we use for social. Um, We do have a YouTube channel. It's pretty minimal because it takes a lot of time and I'm the guy. So
0: yeah, (laughs) there's (laughs) only one.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yes, people should follow us on Instagram for sure. We're very active on that. And it often gets ported over to Facebook. We also have a grassroots gravel group rides group on Facebook and on Strava. Ooh, so nice. Ooh, we, we have a Strava club that is grassroots gravel group rides. And that is active. You know, We use it. We have a group ride every Tuesday night at 530 called the Red Creek Rally. And that happens every Tuesday night, period, year nice. round, except for freezing rain. <laughs> all right. So all right. it's, uh, yep, it's on. It, it happens every Tuesday, 5.30, same route, same location. And it's amazing how different it is every week. It's super fun. Nice. Um, and that's all abilities, you know, that's for, for anyone. And because it's a five thirty this time of year, it requires lights and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think I, I guess I think that's the big thing I wanted to cover was the group rides because we we have the weekly group rides and then we also do larger, longer ones. You know, so we just had the Farm Stand Fifty. I do I, I enjoy my alliteration. If you couldn't tell, hey,
0: I funny. like it. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we just had that um, this past Saturday and. Uh, it was, if you can guess, it started at a farm stand and it was 50 miles and nice. we had 25 people show up and I love it. it was a great, it was a great time. And again, huge array of ridership at that. I mean, um, on, on our group rides, I almost always make a point to be the sweep, uh, because I just want to make sure people are having fun, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and, and I have, I love, 100%. I love chatting.
0: Yeah, so, no, for sure. Um, for sure. Well, sweet. Yeah, I'll people, link everything in the show notes. Yep. So that way people can conceive and the Strava and all that good stuff. All right. So Perfect. Adam, final question. In one minute or less, how do you make shift happen in your life? And you can interpret this however you want.
1: Put the Jeopardy theme song on. Right. For real. That's, that's a hard question. How do I make shift happen in my life? I should have thought about this like before we had this call because this is a question that you asked. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We,
0: only have, we only have three minutes of record time left too. Oh god. <laughs> oh uh, no, the pressure's on.
1: So <laughs> Yeah, you know, okay, so to that point, I have three minutes left. I make shift happening. I make shift happen by um, taking the time to develop myself in the thing and, and, and identifying like the things that are truly important to me and then leaning into that. Because I found that whether I'm working with volunteers and knowing what they're passionate about, or if I'm working on a project and I know that it's something that I'm passionate about, you can get so much more out of yourself or and people will give so much more to something when they're on fire for it or it really matters to them. And mm-hmm. so um, I make shift happen by leaning into that, that passion And those relationships with people and, and not overthinking the, the how right off the bat so much as um, putting the work in to know and the trust in yourself to know that you'll figure that shit out. Yep, That's how I make shift happen.
0: Leap in the net will appear, right? <laughs> I love it. Yeah,
1: but 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 putting in the work to yeah. know. Like, do I trust sure. Adam to do this thing? And and the answer mm-hmm. might be no on some mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> and so that's where you don't. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sweet, Adam. Well, thanks again for coming out and joining me for another episode of Making Shift Happen. It was such a pleasure to get to know you a little bit more. And I'll keep stalking you on Instagram and hopefully the listeners will as well and join you and your team on October 12th.
1: I encourage them to do all of the above. And it has been my pleasure. This is super fun. Thank you, Jen.
0: Yeah, thanks, Adam. Great. Well, folks, listen to the next episode coming at you next week. But for now, check the show notes and follow everything that's going on with Grassroots Gravel. Thanks.